Hello and welcome to Saturday Night Hive. Today I am sitting down with Hibba to talk about the Daniel Kaluuya St. Vincent episode that aired on April 3rd, 2021. Hello, Hibba. Hi, Candace. I think we can both admit, kind of at the top, that we both had higher expectations for this episode. But let's start at the top and run down the line, Hibba. What did you think about the cold open? Um, yeah, I agree. I had a really high expectations for this episode. I feel like Daniel Kaluuya is one of those people that, like, he's been around for a while. Like, he was in Get Out and Black Panther and all of these big mm-hmm. kind of blockbuster movies. And um, he is a star in his own right. And I feel like this could have been a Reggae John Page one where he really came out mm-hmm. and kind of, like, seized the moment and blew everyone away. But I felt like the episode fell a little bit short. I didn't really get, like the flavor of like his personality in consistently throughout all of the sketches um I don't think it was his fault I feel like he was a really good sport and he tried really hard throughout all of it um but yeah the thing that I enjoyed about the cold open first of all I didn't realize that they were gonna make the Britney Spears talk show a reoccurring sketch that they bring back Mm. so I enjoyed that Mm -hmm. I felt like Chloe Feynman always does a really good job portraying her um, I thought that Lil Nas X commentary was really funny, and I saw all over Twitter, like, the screenshots of him um, giving God a lap dance, so mm-hmm. I, I felt like that needed to be talked about just because it was all over Twitter this week, and so they did talk about it. Um, my favorite part was Pete Davidson continuing his streak as terrible politicians. Mm-hmm. I think you said something really smart and insightful on a previous episode about how when he first came on the show, he really couldn't play any characters. He was a stand-up, so he was just kind of doing his, like, weekend update appearances. But since then, um, seven years later, he's grown into himself a little bit. And his, like, new niche thing is kind of doing these, like, white guy politicians that get into trouble. Mm-hmm. So um, I felt like he did a good job there. The Pepe Le Pew thing, I felt, was, like, kind of overblown. Like, Kate McKinnon is always <laughs> hilarious, but... The whole thing was, like, just weird, so I feel like the cold open, it's kind of like the thing where all of their jokes were timely, like, there was nothing wrong with it, but it wasn't, like, as exciting as I wanted it to be, and that's, like, the pizzazz was missing, I don't know, and that's really how I felt about the whole, the whole episode. I was surprised by how soon they brought back the Britney Spears talk show thing. I could see it being this kind of, like, perfect template of hitting the three top stories of the week and it's mainly carried by the fact that chloe Feynman's impression is perfect the entire time throughout so i give her that stamina credit mm-hmm. it's funny because i took down the same note which is that pete davidson is running the scumbag politician circuit and here's the thing i actually kind of thought beck bennett's face would have been a better fit for the matt gates character um and on top of that Pete didn't even really try to do an impression of Matt Gates. He actually just, like, he spoke the way he speaks himself. Mm. So that was, like, a little bit less interesting to me. But, you know, it was in this cold open where I kind of firmed up my belief that I've had for a while that Kate McKinnon has outgrown SNL. I think at this very moment in time, she is a little too big of a 
star by now. And it's interesting because I could actually see a world unto which this was supposed to be her last season, but she didn't want to dip during the pandemic because that looks bad. And on top of that, she was supposed to be in a Hulu show about Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes, and she recently dropped out of that. And I'm like trying to figure out what exactly her motive for that was. But besides that... I agree with you. Chris Red really pulled out that lap dance and I could tell he's been working out those obliques. Um, to be honest, do you think Mikey Day volunteered to play God? <laughs> That's so funny. Um, when they brought out Mikey Day, I was like, oh, of course it's him. But I don't understand why that was my reaction, to be honest. <laughs> he just seems like game for anything. Yeah, I'm proud of him, I guess, for uh, taking on that role. Um, even though I absolutely would have as well. Okay, so skipping over to the monologue. You know, one thing I did love about this monologue is that it was very short and succinct and sharp. Mm -hmm. And I think it was really funny that Daniel inserted the little Golden Globes moment because that was a really funny moment in his life, to be honest. Yeah. Um, And I really did think the Keenan and Kel shout out was really cute. I have to say, though, he wore a tracksuit top with a dress jacket over it. And at first I was like, oh, well, clearly he's going to rip off the dress jacket because there's a musical number because it didn't even fit that well. But no, this was a fashion choice. He was styled for that moment. And I was like, "Okay, that's your fit. But at the end of the day. I do have to say that I think this monologue actually did encapsulate a lot of the ways that I think of Daniel, which is he's this actor who's very serious and plays very serious roles, but he is a very charming guy, Mm -hmm. and I appreciated that about his monologue. Yeah, I agree with you. That's why I feel like it wasn't his fault that the episode fell a little bit short, because the monologue was really, like, perfectly encapsulated to him. Like, it was sweet, it was funny, it was charming. I loved the part about how he was like, yeah, I'm black and British. Basically, like, I'm what the royal family was, like, worried the new royal baby would look like. Mm. And because, obviously, we love all of the Mm -hmm. royal family drama. Um, And, yeah, I just thought he was very, like, shouting out his mom and, like, the Kenan and Kel thing. Like, Mm. everything about it was, like, it was his personality. Like, I feel like a good monologue gives you a flavor of the host personality and I feel like I got that from him but then I got it got lost through the rest of the show um just like through the other sketches um and you could see like the the funniness that he brought at times um but it wasn't as like cohesive as I wanted it to be and I agree with you I thought that the style was a choice I didn't think he was gonna go into a musical number just because I don't know if he's known for singing but it was an, it mm-hmm. was a choice. We'll leave it there. It was. And I do want to say that there are three sketches uploaded on SNL's YouTube page that did not make it into the episode that aired. And so I would recommend watching those really quickly. We're going to talk about them at the end of the show, but they were kind of an important reason why we think this episode fell a little bit flat. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, let's pop into the first one vaccine game show aka will you take it um hiva what do you think of this one yeah okay this was actually one of my favorite sketches i just felt like it was really practical especially because in between um snl airing i was seeing like 
vaccine commercials basically from like different healthcare companies and just different like like the ad council of america and all of those things about like get informed so you can get the vaccine um so yeah i felt like this was one of those really timely uh sketches where they actually used real reasons that people use to not take the vaccine um and they heightened it in a ridiculous way and i loved that he was playing like the um, serious guy character where he was the doctor and even though he was going to pay his family like $20,000 to take the vaccine they were still like I heard a Facebook conspiracy that like I shouldn't do it and so I don't know like if you have any if you know people like that which I'm sure all of us do you're like yeah this is real and this is funny I will say as we get deeper and deeper into the pandemic it becomes harder to write about COVID without it being like so tired mm. so I feel like whenever they have a new vaccine sketch or a new sketch about COVID and it's like sort of funny like I give them a lot of credit for it because like people are tired and they don't want to hear it you know mm. um but yeah you're I feel right. like they did okay with this one no you're completely right there's a bit of a COVID fatigue hitting the comedy circuit so I understand the sketch following that is something I do want to talk about so this is the viral apology video, which I believe was a play on the David Dobrik sexual assault and racism allegations that have been hitting him. So here's the thing about this sketch. I think us and Kyle Mooney know that this was kind of posed to be a cut for time sketch. I think we were prepared for that and I'm a little surprised it was the second sketch to go up for the night. I think one of my problems is that I don't think it was funny. And I don't think it was funny because, one, they used, like, the same music from the Nickelodeon show Victorious, and that really threw me off. But second, <laughs> the David Dobrik situation is not funny. And I don't think the writers were understanding that, and they weren't taking that seriously. Mm. I don't think they understand how serious the allegations are, especially within the YouTube community, within the young people who watch David Dobrik. And I think because of that, this parody was kind of in bad taste. It was in poor taste. And I do think it should have been cut for time, mainly because if you're going to write a sketch inspired by YouTube, you should keep it on YouTube. And I just don't think this was a smart take on a very serious problem and allegation. So I don't think that was a smart take on that. But I do want to kind of hop on over two more sketches uh, the first one being this categories Josh Wine thing. All I really wanted to say about that sketch is that I have given someone Josh Wine as a goodbye gift, and I hope that they enjoyed it. But I want to move on over to a sketch that I actually really did like, which was the Proud Parents sketch. Hibba, what do you think about this sketch? I thought this sketch was so funny, um, especially because we talk about how, like, SNL is an institution, right? And with any institution built within the institution that is America, like it is kind of like upholding a lot of like white culture and traditions. So whenever they do um, anything that's like based off of like immigrant parents and immigrant kids, like I really see myself in it. Um, everything, like all of the lines out of it, like I've heard people, in, if not my parents, but like people in my community say those lines word for word, mm-hmm. like um, his whole thing was like he changes major to creative writing so he could be a poet and then his parents start um, they get like a cut from being so angry that they break the glasses mm-hmm. they're drinking from mm-hmm. and they're like oh I wish there was a poet around like nobody ever says that I wish there was a doctor I don't know I'm not getting the line correct but I just felt like it was such a perfect um, play especially when they were encouraging like the white kid who became a sculptor 
and the other parents there called them out on it and they were like yeah we were lying like we don't actually care what your kid does but we care about our kids succeeding um yeah it, it was a little bit of like the thing about those kind of stereotypes is like yeah they're stereotypes but also they're true enough that like it's it's like a painful comedy you know um exactly. like my parents didn't really pressure me to be a doctor and like all of that but would they be angry if I was one absolutely not they would be thrilled so yeah exactly I agree with you I did really like this sketch um as the child of immigrants as well and I actually think this should have been like the second or maybe even the first sketch of the night because it came out really really strong it came out really really strong and I think a lot of that strength was just built off the rapport of Ego and Daniel who I wish had like Mm -hmm. some more moments in this episode but to be fair they did have another moment in the dog park sketch um Uh, my first question about this dog park sketch is where did all of these dogs come from (laughs) like are they the cast dogs were they rented what's the union situation on those doggies that's such a funny question um i think they rent them because sometimes they bring in like llamas and stuff like that (gasps) so they must have yeah they must have some way to handle it exactly yeah um but you know what i enjoyed this sketch enough uh, I actually think Andrew Dismukes did a pretty funny job, and I like, yeah. laughed out loud when he said, I flirt with all the girlies out here. <laughs> that is indeed something I should be saying more in a post-pandemic world. I thought the really funny part was, like, Andrew Dismukes going toe-to-toe with Daniel Kaluuya. <gasps> that was so funny. Yeah, them going toe-to-toe, because obviously Daniel Kaluuya is, like, the hotter one, so... <laughs> Yeah. I was just like, this man cannot compete, but like in this world that they set up where dog impressions are like the key to a woman's heart, mm. of course. But then at the end, it was like she left both of them. Which so, I loved. I don't know. Loved. Yeah. I, I just thought it was funny. I, I do think, like going back to my earlier commentary about how like Daniel Kaluuya's like personality came through a little bit in that one because he was like this funny playful guy who was like trying to fit in and be part of the community but like was made fun of for one thing and so there was like an like I feel like he's really good at being endearing and he was endearing in that sketch because the people that were against him were obviously the crazy people even though in the world of that sketch they were like the normal ones but to us the audience like he was the normal one So yeah, I liked him in that, and I just thought it was funny. And I do agree with you, I wish. Like, obviously, every time there's a hot host, I, like, hope and pray for Ego to um, wife them up. Mm -hmm. But also support her right to do whatever the heck she wants and be an independent woman. Um, We know that she has, like, a partnership going with Bowen, so. That's true. Just happy for her in general. That's true. So another sketch that I kind of wanted to talk about was the frat trip one. You know, my only thought on this is that Pete clearly did not belong in this fraternity because he was dressed very different and he just did not uh, breathe the same air as them. But what did you think about this sketch, Hibba? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on it. Okay, the first one is about Pete being in it. I feel like they feel the need to show us Pete like as if he's like, being held hostage and they have to show oh. that he's like alive during the show sure. yeah. and that he's not just in digital shorts mm-hmm. but yeah he was like so out of place even though I totally believe that he like would have been in a frat had he gone to college do you really 
Yeah, I think he would have. I don't think he went to college, though. Wait, okay. So here's my hot take, Hiba, and then we can go back to the sketch. I kind of got the sense that if Pete went to a school, first off, I think it would be like maybe Syracuse. Um, I kind of got the sense that he wouldn't be about the frat life because they'd be like too cheesy for him. Instead, he would be the person mm. selling weed to the frat house. I could see that. But I'm willing to take other suggestions. Okay, okay. I feel like he would be too lazy to like actually rush, but he would get invited to all the parties anyways. But back to the sketch. <laughs> so, okay, so here's another example of where I felt like Daniel Kluya did a really good job of being endearing because mm-hmm. he was like, we have to bring our moms. And it was obviously it was weird, <laughs> but I love when the host is like down to be the odd man out. So he was like able to take a risk. It's exactly the opposite of Nick Jonas because Nick Jonas was like very adamant about being like the normal, like hot character mm-hmm. in every single one of his sketches. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I really liked that for him. I also liked that Kyle Mooney wasn't the weird character for once in his life. He was actually, like, part of, like, the group of characters that were, like, the normal people. Um, and then eventually it caught on to everyone. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed this sketch. How do you feel? You bring up such a good point, which is that a big reason why Daniel did so well in this sketch and possibly others, I'm thinking of the half-brother upright bass one, mm. is because he was down to be made fun of. Yeah. And you're completely right. Regardless of Nick Jonas's like, unself-awareness of his place in, like, quote-unquote society or the celebrity yeah. sphere, his whole thing is he played it kind of safe, whereas Daniel was like, I'm down to make fun of myself. I'm down to make fun of this dog park impression situation. Let's go. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think this sketch actually just, it worked for me as it was. I was pretty impressed with the way it was organized. Like, one by one, a brother was, like, into the idea of bringing their moms. Yeah. Which I think is actually a really good idea. More moms in (laughs) frats. That is the slogan I shall die on. Oh, my God. Yeah, I thought it was fun. I wanted to see, there's like a thing in like improv where you're not supposed to talk about something without doing it. So I feel like the next iteration would have been like them actually going on the trip together with all of the moms. Um, I feel like that would have been logistically difficult unless they were going to show them like road tripping. They would have had to like make it a digital short and like rent a yacht or something like that. Um, but I so wanted to see the part two of that sketch, and I feel like that means that it's good comedy. That's so funny. You're totally right. So when I finished watching this episode, and I wonder if you feel this way too, Hibba, when I finished watching this episode live, I'm going to admit, I felt a little disappointed. Yeah. I really felt like there was something that didn't pop for me. It yeah. felt kind of rushed. And I feel like a lot of the sketches were these big ensemble pieces in living rooms. And I kind of felt like the thing about Daniel, too, is that knowing he's a serious actor with so much charm, I was like, I feel like there's something missing. And I was right, because after the show, SNL uploaded these three sketches onto their YouTube page that did not make it to air, and they were Salt Bay, Beanie Babies, and The Hero. Out of those three, do you have, like, a preference or a ranking of them? Yeah, I can rank them. Okay, so first of all, I thought it was weird that they had three Cut for Time sketches, because usually there's only one, so I don't know what happened with the timing there. 
um, and what went along or like how they decided to prioritize because this episode did have some good sketches in it but the strongest ones were not in the right order and mm-hmm. some of the good ones were cut for time so I really enjoyed the Salt Bay one because it got I think that it heightened really well so mm-hmm. like basically the premise of it was like Salt Bay was like hitting on Cecily and like the basically everyone at the table and there Daniel Kaluuya was like this is weird and he was the only one that found it weird um and she kept doing more and more ridiculous and sensual things with Salt Bay and everyone was like it's normal he's an Instagram influencer so I thought that was pretty funny um and it was just so ridiculous and like even though Salt Bay like isn't in the mainstream anymore like everybody knows him in the restaurants like they did mention like the stimulus and like people dining indoors again is like sort of a thing so um so yeah I thought that was good the Beanie Babies one I also thought was kind of hilarious mm-hmm. um and the hero one was like pretty funny but I felt like these were all solid ones like if it was up to me I would have taken out this category sketch and also the upright base sketch and put two of these in there instead i completely completely agree with you heba that also is my order of the cut sketches and you know first thing i want to say is that beg bennett has the exact body of salt bay so good for him (laughs) yeah that was a funny (laughs) sketch i found nothing wrong with it The Beanie Baby sketch I loved because it was another sequel or iteration of the Sarah Lee sketch with Harry Styles. Yeah. And that one had Julio Torres written on it so hard that one of the Beanie Babies was named Julio. But it's funny because that is a sketch that requires a lot of host buy-in, meaning in order for Mm -hmm. Daniel Kaluuya to be comfortable saying those things, he has to be in-in. And even though the hero is... The one I didn't love as much from the Cut for Time ones, the reason I'm surprised it was cut is because it looks very expensive. Yeah. Like, it looked really expensive, and it was digital, it was pre-taped, the set, there's a lot of people in it. I could come up with, like, a million theories of why exactly these were cut. In my head, I'm like, was there a football game I didn't know about? Did, like, SNL Uh... start later than I thought it did? None of those track for me. Um, Yeah. But I agree with you. I think the hero should have replaced viral apology video. In fact, I think it was maybe supposed to. Mm. I think Scattergory should have been cut. And I think Half Brother should have been cut as well for those other two. Now, maybe it was something as simple as, like, someone put the wrong index card in the wrong order, and so they just went along with it, (laughs) or maybe the cue cards weren't saying the right thing at the right time. I don't know. But SNL, I am thankful that you posted those three videos, because I think that was more of the essence of what Daniel wanted out of his first SNL appearance. Yeah. But those are the ones that showed his charm, how much he can play, how much he's willing to make fun of himself. Yeah. And I do think it is a bit of a lost cause that like those are not the ones that you can even you can't even watch them on Hulu. Like it's so weird to me. Yeah, I feel like Daniel really brought it, right? So like everything that we look for in a host is like somebody who is down to pretend to be a comedian for a week right even if that's not their main thing and he was down to make fun of himself like you said to go out of his comfort zone he played both like the straight man serious character as well as the ridiculous character and he did both of them really well but 
yeah, whoever was in charge of the strategic decision making, or maybe they had some logistical problems that we just don't know about. Um, they didn't present him in the best light because they didn't put the strongest sketches in the right order. And so there's something going on. It's not Daniel's fault. I still think he did great. But yeah, it's a it remains a mystery. Yeah. The second to last question I have for you is about Weekend Update. So what do you think about Weekend Update? Yeah. Okay. So um, I loved how many jokes they did about Rep Matt Gates mm-hmm. because I feel like as much as we in the universe make fun of and um, really shame like white male politicians who do terrible things like have relationships with 17 year olds, they never really get punished. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm glad that they really went hard on it. The first thing that I thought when they showed a picture of him was that he sort of looks like Colin, and that was Colin's first joke. He was like, this guy looks like me. So I was like, oh my god, we love a self-aware Colin jokes. Because, you know, sometimes he, like a lot of white men, uh, fall short in that category. Um, So yeah, they really roasted him hard. I was on board with that. The first uh, guests that they had, um, the ladies that were like selling animals that were mm-hmm. mean on their farm mm-hmm. um yeah 80 and kate i thought they were really funny obviously because everything that they were saying was like not realistic but also because there was a lot of physical comedy and comedy that you could tell was spontaneous because they weren't planning for it like they made colin touch like the ham and oh, he was like yeah geez. it's kind of wet and she they were like yeah the basket is like slimy too so that was like it was just funny to watch them like squirm and like go along with it even though they were squirming um the boat guy is like the reoccurring character uh alex muffet and he was he's like okay like i feel like they had to bring him back because um people are getting the vaccine and people are starting to date in person again so a lot of his like jokes and the wordplay was very timely um obviously not my type of person not anyone's type of person but like not my favorite but i feel like we can update um, delivered this week and kind of like did what they needed to do yeah I agree with you that I think it was really funny that Colin went after Matt Gates so hard I do think part of it is because Colin wanted to establish that he is not that type of white guy himself mm-hmm. uh but mm-hmm. it's also funny because this is the same week that Colin's girly friend <laughs> just kidding wife Scarlett Johansson was on Drag Race and apparently Colin crashed it, and there's this screenshot going around of Colin and Scarlett in the same frame on Zoom together. And it was really one of those moments where I was like, wow, I really can't tell if these people are siblings or dating. Um, but, re- <laughs> but outside of that, back to Weekend Update, I'm going to admit, that last married couple segment with Mikey Day and Heidi Gardner, I was kind of like, man, Timothy Chalamet, if he was in town could have played mikey day's role really really well (laughs) oh my god okay i almost forgot about that i agree with you i feel like even though timothy chalamet is like independently wealthy i feel like he's the type of person to like marry a 104 year old woman for the charm Mm. of it and to get her money Mm. i don't know what that says about him no he definitely wants that rent control department on the upper east side i'm with you yeah yeah overall it's very odd because taking the three cut for time sketches out of the equation 
weekend update was the best part of this episode for me, which is odd yeah, for me same. to say, and I never say that. But excluding these three uh, cut for time sketches, this episode for me was like six out of ten. However, I am going to just put in those three cut for time sketches because I don't think they were meant to be cut for time. And I'm going to mm-hmm. say that this episode was possibly like a 7.4 out of 10 Josh Wines. What about you, Hiba? <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. It's hard because it had so much potential and we got to see that potential because we got to see the cut for time sketches. Um, but the actual episode that aired fell short. So, yeah, I would say um, without the cut for time sketches, I would give it 6.5 Beanie Babies. Mm. Um, and with, with those sketches, and also with the caveat that the sketches should have been ordered differently and the strongest ones should have been first, I really feel like this episode could have reached an 8 Beanie <gasps> Babies. Wow, 8 Beanie Babies. Wow. I feel like it it didn't, but it could have. Like, Daniel Kaluuya was great. Mm -hmm. Just everything else was, like, a little bit off. I'm with you. And that's maybe the saddest thing where, like, you could see the potential and it just didn't live up to it. And I think you're right. I don't think it was Daniel's fault. But at the end of the day, the only thing better than being on SNL is winning an Oscar. (laughs) I hope so. I hope for his sake. He deserves it. Exactly. All right. Well, that is our episode. Hiba, thank you so much for being here with me. Of course. Anytime. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week to talk about another Oscar nominees episode. Carrie Mulligan featuring one of Hiba's picks for the SNL 2021 draft. Kid Cudi. We're excited. And we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.